You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, pasta. Because pasta. Pasta is the best. We all know this. But do you know how to cook it really, really well? Do you know how to get it all saucy and glossy like they have in the restaurants? Do you know who does? Claire Saffitz and Carla Lolly Music from the BA Test Kitchen. Uh, and they join me to school us on all the little tips and techniques and tricks that you should be doing at home when making pasta, but you might not be. So... Here's Carla, Claire, and me. Let's do this. In your household, Carla, how many days a week are you eat, eating or making pasta for the boys or for your husband and you? At least twice. There's definitely pasta is Saturday night dinner almost always. Oh, really? All, almost always. And then during the week, they have it at least one other time. But for me personally, probably only the, the weekend night. I used to eat pasta. I mean, college, I ate pasta probably four nights a week. It was insane back then. Like, it was also, it was inexpensive. Carbs? What carbs? Yeah, yeah, but it was like inexpensive and plentiful and mm-hmm. easy to make and like all of fast. those things. Fast. I remember, and it would fill you up. I remember when I was at Berkeley, uh, my buddy Bill Stingone moved out from Queens to live with me for a, a, a summer. Mm. Bill's a nice Italian-American boy. Um and we would like we we'd have these nights where we'd make a big thing of pasta. We'd watch like The Godfather or something, but we had no idea what we were doing. And I remember one time making. I wanted to make pasta Alfredo, but instead of like cream or butter, I was like I basically made a roux. I had like flour <laughs> and milk, and I was just like a cheese. So it was like bechamel. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but yeah, but yeah, we made it. We're like this is delicious, and you know, we put enough Parmesan cheese on it. It was sure, not bad. right. You could do a Parmesan bechamela. Claire, what about Good. you? I don't make pasta a lot for just myself, mm-hmm. but when I'm cooking for like at least one other person or company, I would say, I don't know, probably, I don't know, it doesn't necessarily feel like entertaining food either, but it is something, it's so fast and quick and we eat it a lot in the test kitchen. Yeah. Because of, because Yesterday of we had two two pasta dishes, many months after developing the pasta story, there were two pastas went oh, out for oh, development right. yesterday. Right. Mm-hmm. And we ate it all. All right. Let's, let's talk about how we make pasta because I think we all now sort of make pasta using basically the same technique. And for me, when I learned it several years ago, and it's kind of what restaurants do, it was a sort of life-changing experience. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is how you get that, as I like to say, that saucy, glossy coating. And it's just emulsified and unctuous, as one of our former editors used to say a lot. Um, Claire, can you walk us through the basic technique to get that sort of restaurant-quality pasta at home? Sure. I mean, what you're not doing is you're not cooking your pasta and setting it off to the side and then, like, in a bowl, tossing it together with the sauce, which is something totally separate. Or what a lot of people used to do, or you still get, you know, you get the bowl of spaghetti and then a blob of tomato sauce or meat sauce on top of the spaghetti. So you have, like, naked noodles with just, like, a pile of sauce. Never naked. Right. You're not doing that. I cringe when I see that. Yes. I'm just like, oh, no. It's terrifying. Right. So the goal is to have pasta where each piece or strand is coated in this like layer of sort of beautiful glossy sauce. So that technique is achieved by cooking the pasta until it's very, very al dente, so several minutes shy of the package instructions. So, so if package is 10 minutes, you're doing seven? seven? Okay, right. and if you bite into it, you still see that white part in the middle of the right. pasta. If you taste it and you're like, oh, that's way underdone, that's right. when you drain <laughs> that's it. That's good. Yeah. And when I went to Italy last year, I basically came back with the feeling that we just don't have the guts 
basically right to they, like undercook the way that they yes. do it was like i i just i don't have the it's basically the cojones, ha- half really cooked right yeah. is what you're going for uh because in in the end you want something that's that's still very al dente and not mushy so you got this pot of like let's say spaghetti right boiling in a lot of well salted water correct but yes it's you're at seven minutes and then what do you do so then hopefully simultaneously you have a skillet or in our case we'd like to use a dutch oven something with a very wide base but and higher high, sides. And high sides yep yes uh, and you have your sauce going next to it in that separate pot. So it could be a tomato sauce. It could just be something as simple as garlic and olive oil. Okay. Um, let's, say, let's say garlic and olive oil, mm-hmm. which is great. Very simple. And then what do you do? And then you transfer the pasta directly from the pot of water into the pot of sauce that so you're building. We like tongs. You can tongs grab are great some for tongs strands. And you mm-hmm. pick them up. And so they actually are still coated with that starchy pasta water and they're still wet right, right in the pan right. over, over medium heat, say. I like to crank the heat at that oh, point because well, I also sometimes will add pasta water to the sauce like in advance of the pasta. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Just get it and get it boiling, along. actually. And it and what I found when you when you that's a, that's the next key step. Taking that starchy, flavorful pasta water, a big ladle perhaps. Yeah. You always use more than you think. And you, you're yes. transferring that to the pan. And when it boils, that boiling helps it emulsify with the oil. Yes, exactly. And you also want to continue to cook the noodles and reduce that liquid well, yeah. at the same time. So then, all right. So you've got the boiling pasta water and oil. I often throw in some butter at that point uh-huh. to enrich it, mm-hmm. give it that glossiness. You transfer the noodles in and then you start... Tossing. tossing, yes, toss, toss, toss. And I think at this that's point, where those high sides are so. This right. was like, especially with it, strands, and with almost, you know, if you're doing twelve ounces of pasta, it's it's a lot, and you got to really get it tossing all over the place and not throw it all over yeah. your stove top. Right. right. Everyone has probably had like ba- like caked on dried pasta noodles on their stove yes. when you use a skillet. Yeah. I think the important thing too is that you have enough pasta water in the skillet or the Dutch oven so that the noodles are swimming a little bit because they yes. need they need that water to uh, to finish cooking. And and so a couple of things like a the the noodles as they cook for a, a minute or two they absorb the flavor of the sauce they also absorb the liquid of the sauce mm-hmm. so that pot and also the pasta water will sort of evaporate as the heat goes so mm-hmm. and it's releasing more starch to yeah, thicken as that you're sauce like agitating it so you know I'll do that so I'll take um, the you know the whether if I'm doing a oil and garlic or maybe I'm just doing a a basic tomato sauce, and we can talk about that. But even a basic tomato sauce, you're still adding pasta water there to loosen it right. up and bring the starch. You're still, I always throw in a, a knob of butter to get that glossiness. Right. And then you're still tossing the noodles. And really, like I said, you'll really notice it with t- uh, tomato sauce is that you really see the sauce coating each strand. Right. You're tossing and right. tossing and tossing. Constantly moving the noodles. And also at that point, you can put add cheese if that's your All right. thing. So this is the thing. My question is when you... Add the Parmesan cheese, or you could other cheeses, a grana or something. I always take it off the heat because I find sometimes when it's still on the heat, it, it kind of clumps up and gets stuck to the bottom of the pan. It can. I feel like we've sort of ex- kind of went down this rabbit hole too. And microplaning, which has become like the way that people grate cheese now, I find clumps way more mm-hmm. than a coarsely grated, like when you buy your pre-grated parm and it's more like That's little what, tiny beads. I had, that was another sort this of was another um, thing. Uh, mm-hmm. epiphany, if you will. I had last year, I grabbed one of those like little pint containers, right. plastic ones of the ground. It's more ground than grated. It's that yeah. really finely ground stuff. And that dissolves so effortlessly in yeah. the hot pasta. But I feel like the microplane, it, it dries out and it kind of gets sheety and... Mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, like strandy. It yeah. wants so, to stick to itself. It does. The pieces. And so you can go uh, the fine holes of a box grater, I think works better. I think if there's yeah, enough those little, liquid. Those, those like nubs of a yeah, box. Yeah, right, or right. It also, I've done it in the Cuisinart and I do it in the Vitamix, which when, is great. When you do it in a Cuisinart, you're taking hunks of Parmesan and what blade are you using? The regular one. Just the sharp blade. You're not yeah. doing the grater. No, sir. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, you just do that till it crum- crumbles. Yeah. Really fine. Yeah. I also, what I do, I have a lot of opinions about pasta. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> I think we all do. You know, if I'm making like pasta with pesto, so I'll, 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 again, I'm boiling my pasta. I've got a pan um, and I will just take that pesto that I've already made and put that directly in the pan with some pasta water, get it heated up, mm-hmm. add the pasta, toss, toss, toss. Then I'll transfer it to a big serving bowl. And at that point, I'll start folding in the cheese because mm-hmm. the pasta is mm-hmm. still really hot at that point. And right. The cheese will melt. Right. I just I, I hate when you leave a lot of good Parmesan in the bottom of a pan. Right. I think to yeah, avoid the clumping, one thing is to have enough water in the skillet so that yeah. it starts to dissolve before it hits the bottom of the skillet yeah. Yeah. or the Dutch oven. Um, and I th- and I, as you said, it takes more pasta water than you'd think. I start with at least a cup or even a cup and a half Me for too. 12 ounces of pasta. And 12 ounces, you're saying that will serve three people probably, about four ounces Three really seven? hungry people, no, four stop. people. You know, I have this argument saying like, oh, yeah, a serving of pasta is only three ounces. I'm like, in what state oh, do you live in I that mean, a serving of pasta is only three ounces? According to the nutrition ounces? facts, maybe. Yeah. But we don't pay Claire, attention you're, you're to that. From, you're from the Midwest. Yes. How much is a serving of pasta where you came from? My mom would make a pound of pasta for five of us. Oh, and we would finish it. We, we, I mean, when we're when it's family, like it's a pound for four at least. But this isn't. I'm let me. But here's real talk. If I if I'm cooking for pasta for one, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say just like when you're at home depressed and you're just sitting in front of the TV. No, it's more like (laughs) uh, when you're when you're a, a parent. And a, a working person, yeah. and you get a night at home midweek yes. where no one's around, it is like goody good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like pasta night. I literally will measure out the pasta because if I don't, I can eat, I could easily eat eight, eight to 10 ounces right. of pasta by myself. And when I weigh it out, I, w- I give myself six ounces. Which is <laughs> like... So that, that's two servings. You're getting two healthy bowls out of that. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the other thing is also with pasta, it's interesting. Like, say you're, if, the amount of pasta is also contingent on the sauce. If you're making like we have a, a basic recipe in here for sort of an Alfredo butter sauce or like sometimes you make cacio pepe, which is just butter with cheese and pepper in Italy, um, there's not a lot going on. But if you're doing like bolognese, there's a lot in that pasta bowl beyond the pasta. Right. You right. know what I mean? And so the, or we do recipes with like, you know, roasted cauliflower, or roasted broccoli and other stuff. So sometimes – you know, doesn't yeah. have that or you Or you eat it with garlic bread. And that's, oh, oh, yes. that's hey. something else. Um, I think also it's a good point to make that these rules really apply to dried pasta. If you have a beautiful fresh egg pasta and you try to toss it and thing it and fling it around in the pan, it's, go- it's going to rip. Like a beautiful fresh, you know. So if you buy like Carpadelle, already- yeah. you want to c- handle that very nicely yeah. in the pan. A ni- a, something like a, any of those standard dried pasta brands, you can really, really toss them around and, f- and fling them and they're going to be fine. And I think, you know, speaking of dried pasta, I, you know, I think we heartily endorse dried pasta. I think in Italy, at home, that's what people cook, mm-hmm. you know. Um, fresh pasta is kind of a special sort of thing and let the restaurants do it. Um, in terms of shapes, like what types should you buy for what? How much do you pay attention to that, Carla? Um, I pay a lot of attention to that. I will say that in general, I hate any 
pasta shape that doesn't have some kind of ridge or groove on it. So like a plain ziti to me oh, is just the smooth v- a one? very upsetting oh. thing. And penne that isn't penne regate, that's just like... But but it's in like, a what, long, you, you couldn't afford the regatta. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they charge extra for the ridges. I will like make well, it's kind of the same thing. But uh, mac and cheese at home, a lot. Our recipe from bonappetit.com. You sort of caramelize the garlic and onions in the beginning, and, and few, oh, so good. Maybe some dried bre- mustard bread or breadcrumbs are really good. Mm-hmm. But I always use penne regatta for that. Like yeah. you want those ridges to collect all that sauce. I like cavatappi for that. The mm, little curly, curly corkscrew. Wait, so, so talk to us about textures and shapes of pasta, long, short, and what goes with what, basically. Yeah, in general, you want to use um, a short, ridged, either tube or something with a fold in it for any kind of a chunky sauce, a chunky tomato um, that has some texture that can stand up to the pasta can carry some of the sauce and the sauce is not going to be sort of um, overwhelm the shape of the pasta. So like, for example, if you had a nice hearty bolognese and you did that with a capellini or an angel hair, the the richness and the all that texture of the sauce would just overwhelm that delicate strand. So part of it is pairing um, that any kind of vegetable sauce where the we have a example in the in this story with the roasted cauliflower where the cauliflower is in kind of bite-sized pieces and there's other textures in there a tube or anything with a fold will actually catch those pieces of the sauce and they'll they're kind of made to go together i used to my go-to pasta back in the day was you buy some italian sausage you take it out of the casing you simmer it and then you combine it with some quickly sort of boiled broccoli that you Mm -hmm. chop up and then you put that in the pan, the chopped up broccoli with the ground sausage and then some butter and pasta water. And it becomes like a, a sausage broccoli right bolognese and if you did and, that with like a rigatoni then some would be in the tube yeah, or or but if you do it with, with spaghetti a lot of it just ends up on the bottom of the bowl so i would always do it with an orecchietti right. the little ears so each little half moon would catch exactly this little, and it was it was perfect right and it's clinging that that there's enough body in the sauce that that the ridges are catching some of it um I also love rigatoni for something like carbonara, which usually you see with spaghetti uh, a lot here in Rome. They serve it with um, rigatoni all the time because the little cubes of pancetta and that rich egg sauce will just get really nice and coaty. Um, Wait, which one's a rigatoni? Rigatoni is a fat tube, oh, the, really the fat ridge tube. Yeah, it's wider that? than a penne. I had that. Um, or the tube is bigger. Yeah, when I was in Rome and I... Upon your recommendation, I got the Allegricia. Love. Which is pancetta or is uh, uh, guanciale. The jowl uh, with basically oil and cheese. And-, and that's delicious. It's like a little prize in your in your pasta. So and then in, as a general rule, like a long, they refer to them as like a long rod. So, uh, you know, spaghetti, bucatini, paracatelli, um, even capellini, those um, long, smooth, strands are great for sauces that you do want some like shine and glossiness. So a tomato sauce that isn't so chunky or um, uh, garlic and oil or just anything where you're just going for like saucy glossy. I remember Um, years ago asking Mario Batali, there was some recipe I was following. And I was like, Mario, like what, like how do you make like angel hair pasta so that you don't overcook it and it doesn't clump together? Mario's like, yeah, you don't use yeah. angel hair I, pasta. I agree with Mario. I mean, I, I this is uh, along with ziti, right? The most irrelevant shape of pasta to if me. If you have is it in your pantry, hair. just throw it out. 
It just <laughs> turns to mush. I, feel, I hate that stuff. It, I hate eating it. it I do too. It, I don't the, get it. It's literally like the pasta equivalent of angel food cake. You yeah. know? It's like, that's not real cake. No, no it's I a like pasta angel equivalent. Food no, cake. Like, angel food cake is not cake. It's just like this weird oh, spongy. Oh, it's like this pillowy. Oh, I love oh, it. But no, no but you have the pasta equivalent of dental floss. But it's right. just, that's it's mushy. Horrible. It's so white bread. It's Why just would like, you want to eat pasta that's called hair? See, that's <laughs> not good. That's angel hair. Um, oh, no. Uh, Some people love it. I don't know. No. I if you always, love it, write in, please. I will always order the strozza pretty, which is kind of like a inch long twist, like not a full twist, like a corkscrew, but just. Right. It's it just, has sort of like a, a central fold Yeah, groove, it kind yeah. of twist. It's just the priest chokers. But it's just, it just is like, it feels, it always feels very substantive when I get it. I yeah, it's one. like Gemelli kind of mimics that shape. And then there's the other one that's trophy. just like str- trophy. Oh, Casareche yep. is very similar. I think it has Casareche, more of a twist. Right. These are sort of like newer shapes that maybe you didn't grow up eating, but maybe you can you find now in like the better grocery stores and you see a lot in restaurants like the Lumaconi, right. which is one of, the, one of our favorites that Carla was talking about. Yeah, yeah and well, the Bucatini, which is always... A favorite of ours. Well, I think, you know, and you do talk about that in the pasta primer we did in the um, October issue of Bon Appetit, but we talk about it in terms of our favorite brands, and we mentioned our favorite through multiple taste tests in the test kitchen, and I hope I pronounce this correctly, Pastificio Mascherelli. Is that Pretty good? good. Pretty good? Yeah. I think it's just a soft C, right? Yeah, totally. not Mascherelli, it's not as hard C. Um, that comes in that sort of brown paper bag, and if you Google it, you'll see it. But I do think you get these sort of more artisanal, Italian-made pastas that are imported that come in more interesting shapes and they have a I love it when they have an almost grittiness to yeah. the texture uh-huh. that texture yeah that was something because even gonna... the smooth ones are right. not actually smooth and they, and they the sauce clings right. to them but some I... when you start like cooking a lot of pasta and if you if you kind of come up with a signature sauce that you return to again and again so for me it's like alio olio is one of my favorites and alfredo but my parents make um, you know spaghetti with with white clam sauce pretty much every Friday I mean not pretty much every Friday, um, <laughs> you start to realize the difference between brands like um, a brand like DiCecco or Barilla is actually very shiny and uniform textured on the outside. But one of the, you know, a brand like the one we just mentioned and also Rusticella d'Abruzzo, which is a great brand. They do have a lot of, I guess it's the dye that it's yeah. being right. pushed through has more grooves in it. And then that creates that surface texture. And you'll notice that the surface s- tension, if you oh, will. Oh, you'll, you'll yes. notice your sauce will like do completely different things. Like on the really smooth ones, it does have a tendency to slide off. Whereas the other ones will, they're like little micro cilia. They're like, yeah, like, they cling. They cling. Yeah. And you might need more pasta water when you're cooking with one of those because they absorb. Um, Homemade breadcrumbs, another game changer that uh, my wife introduced me to. Um, and I just mentioned Simone worked at Babo years ago with Mario. She did the flowers there. And she would always bring back these little secrets from the restaurant kitchen. And at the time, they were secrets to me. And using crispy, crunchy, taking a you know four-day-old bread, grinding up in your Cuisinart, and then throwing it in the oven with some olive oil and salt and letting it get all crispy and golden brown and sprinkling that over – like a, if you're making a, a cauliflower pasta or something, or even just a simple oil and garlic, or, you know, a, it's just, you're like, wow. Like wow. that crunchiness, that saltiness. It's like carb a, on yeah. carb never fails. No. But, it's, but it's like you don't, you don't even need Parmesan cheese often, I find, if you do the breadcrumbs. Agreed. Can I say that? I agree. Totally. It's like it, putting potato chips in your sandwich. You yes. Know? And then you're like, why don't, why don't I put potato chips in my sandwich more All often? All the time. <laughs> 
Uh, when, I remember when you were in junior high school and you did that for the first time with your peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly. You're like, oh my God, mom, did you know you could put peanut potato chips in a sandwich? It's like, yes, honey. There is something really sort of, um, I don't know, it feels like very indulgent to put breadcrumbs on top of pasta, but yeah. it is totally worth it. But oh, you, yeah. you need them to have, I think you have to start with bread that at one time was fresh. It can right. be yes. like a little bit stale. Um, and then... I think you, again, the running theme here, you need a lot of olive oil to really like crisp them up because you want that sort of like irregular, really satisfying texture um, right. that like catches onto all the pieces. And as you, and I also like to, um, to fold in some of the breadcrumbs into the yeah. sauce. So they actually absorb some of the sauce mm. and then finish on top with crunchy. Mm. Mm. I, don't know I if, like really? that double mm. texture. Uh, yeah. I do. So you get the soft and the crunchy. Try it next time. Not soft. It'll just it's still be. Only, it, it's just like. It just soaks up the sauce yeah, and, and like, gives a little body. All right, can we yeah. talk about pasta vongole, which your parents make and which I now make? It's one of my wife's favorites, and mm-hmm. now I sort of take over in terms of your technique because I it has now become one of my favorite pastas. Like, how do you make it at home? Well, it might va- it'll vary week to week, okay? But it's always going to start with um, a lot of sliced garlic and a lot of olive oil. If I'm doing it at home, I put a lot of, I like to put black pepper in at that point and maybe some chili flake because I feel like it really infuses into the oil. Another thing that often will come into play, and this is a big like lolly family thing, we're like, are we doing, are we doing a, you know, my mom will say, are we doing a pork product or are we doing it without? So the option of adding some pancetta, she might have guanciale hiding in the freezer. In the the vongole? Oh, yeah, man. Wow. Oh, like, yeah. Double not kosher. I like this. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like if you're going to eat the shellfish, you yeah. might as well just anyway, we're Italian. Yes. So. <laughs> all, right, well, all right. So, all right. So, you got a pan, you got the simmering oil, garlic, garlic. black pepper, little red chili flakes. Now yep. what? Okay. So, then alongside, you've got your big pot of salted uh, boiling water. I would say if you're aggressively salting it most of the time, go a little bit under because Mm. sometimes the clams themselves are so briny that you really don't need any additional salt. Um, So there may be a pork product in there. There may be... Let's say there's no pork product. Okay, you got fine. This, let's no just pork say product. for simplicity's sake. So now, um, and I'm, I'm sure people will think that this is wrong, but it's just what we do. I don't add any white wine to that mixture. The clams, little neck clams, manila clams, the smaller the clam, the better. Mm-hmm. If you can't get vongole verace, which we can't, even a cockle, but I feel like mm-hmm. they're just a little puny. Yeah. So a nice, small, hard shell clam, little neck or manila goes directly into that olive oil and garlic. And that's why a little bit of golden brown is good, but it's going to keep cooking and you don't want that acrid burnt. Mm -hmm. And then toss, toss to cover with the oil, Mm -hmm. right? And then lid goes on. So the lid does go on. Oh, the lid goes on. Mm. And then, and then on the side of that, you've got your giant serving bowl, which hopefully you're putting um, some hot water into that so that the bowl itself is nice and warm when the pasta hits it. Or you could just put it in the oven if the oven. You could put the oven. you could put it in the All oven. Right, so you you could warm- put it in the microwave. That's yeah, a tip yeah, I just learned. Yeah. Um, but so, so this is if this is sometimes we, we're doing two pounds of pasta at a time. Jesus. So Whoa. it's a big bowl. So then um, I always like to get the clams going before putting the pasta in because sometimes clams can take like seven ten or minutes. eleven minutes. You never know. You just don't know. So when they start opening, I feel like it's safe to drop the pasta. Also, they don't all open at the same time. Oh, you might Derek. get one that opens soon and then do you ever do this? Because Simone will do this. She will take out the open oh, ones yes. as she oh, goes. Absolutely. So they don't overcook and then it gives the other ones more room to open up. 
Absolutely. Okay. And also I feel like when you dig into the pan halfway through the clam cooking process and you kind of toss them around, it encourages them to unhinge the mm-hmm. rest of the way. And then those other guys need to get like bounce. Sometimes you bounce them around and then yeah. all of a sudden yeah. they all want to open up. So yeah, you're definitely taking the clams out as they open and reserving all of that clam juices. Now, so now you're going right into your serving bowl. Mm-hmm. So any water that you had in there to keep warm, now you're putting open clams in, you're stirring your pasta the whole time, set a timer because things can get, you could get in a clam haze and forget that you were cooking pasta. Clam jam. <laughs> and then um, ideally taking the pasta out of the pot with tongs, if not draining really quickly, if it's a large amount mm-hmm. of pasta, drain it quickly. Don't ever rinse your pasta. Don't ever like, Ugh. don't shake it even too Ugh. much. If some, if you're not dragging pasta water all over the floor on the way from the sink back into the sauce pot, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like I inevitably am just like boiling water coming Watch through. Um, and then whatever clams are sort of the last guys to go, pasta goes in there. You can, if you want to, put the clams that you took mm-hmm. out and put in the serving bowl back in. And then, I don't know, it's like a two-tong situation, or it could be a pair of tongs in one hand and a big spoon in the other. The pasta water, a lot of tossing. So we always have a fight because I'll take out two cups of pasta water. Mm-hmm. And then my sister and my mom will be like, it's too much, Carla. Stop. And then like they turn around for a second and I throw more water yeah. into the pan. Um and a lot of parsley at the end too. Ooh, yeah. Yes. A lot of parsley. A lot of fresh chopped parsley. And then if people are not sitting down, this is another Ugh. thing. The, when the pasta goes in the water, the other call out has to be pastas in the water, like asses <laughs> in chairs. Yes. Like if people are now like wandering around, like get your butt in a chair. Because I wait it for, an, for I, no one. And I wait for no one. If the pasta, it has it's to like be. like an air raid siren goes off. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be really hot. I get upset. So I do the same thing. I would just say that. I I will usually once the clams are in the pot with the oil, and I use like a big whether it's a stock pot or a Dutch oven. Um, I will often throw in a splash of white wine, just right. to simmer. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. not a lot, but it just adds a little yeah. something. I like to brown the garlic in the beginning because I want that color, and then I stop the cooking by adding the white wine, and I mm. like the little bit of acid that it adds to the mm-hmm. dish. It's like you don't. Some people put a no, little squeeze classic, of lemon or something. I just, you know, and then at that point, once the clams i guess are in or maybe right before they're in with the garlic and wine i also throw in some butter just because right butter's yeah. butter's good yeah because it, it, it also thickens the sauce yeah, just the a little bit be a little thin a little especially viscosity. if you're using linguine which yeah. I, I assume everyone uses linguine because that's classic i i don't care for linguine oh, what do you I, use? I like thick spaghetti ah that's fair but i think the the butter like at the, the end really helps the it to, to cling okay, sure um, it does and that's a great one for breadcrumbs too yes I hate to bring this up. Anchovies. Why? You hate to bring it up because I love you to hate anchovies. Up. That's why. Let's talk about anchovies. Let's talk about it. Well, sell, sell me. What's not to like about anchovies? They yeah. add this complexity to all the dishes. You don't really taste. I know you object to the fishiness. But then why do so many people not like anchovies? I think people think they don't like anchovies, but you give them something with anchovies in it and they're like, oh, Caesar salad. Right. Case in point. Right. It's Ugh. like delicious. Everyone Ugh. loves the Caesar salad, but it has anchovies in it. Right. Ugh. It's umami. Oh, Adam, it's you salt. like Caesar salad, right? I do not like Caesar what? salad. It's too anchovy-y. Right. Oh, man. Well, this okay. is, I mean, well, we're, me you may pedal. never be convinced. All right, so give me a pasta, Carla, with anchovies that you could, you know, convert me with. 
I don't know that I, that that exists. I don't well, think you can be converted. You've said you can taste it in. Um, Simone makes a, a salad dressing, and she'll say you won't even taste it, and you're like, I, I taste, taste it. it. Well, I think, but I think with, it, with with a Caesar salad, there's not a lot to mask the anchovies. I'm wondering, is there a pasta dish where it's kind of cooked down and it just sort of melds with I the really, flavors? I really like it in. Um, a tomato sauce. So there's kind of two examples. If you do a basic tomato sauce, but you start it when you have your aromatics going with the anchovy and let them dissolve. And I'm not saying use a whole jar, Mm -hmm. use a couple. Um, I think that it marries really well. There's like umami in the tomatoes. There's a little saltiness and depth in the in the anchovy itself and um, it has time to cook down a little bit and like it enriches. The other time that I really love it is when it's very anchovy forward. So like in, you know, starting a garlic and oil, your basic olio olio, where you add anchovies and capers and, you know, like really want that kind of salty, briny, Mm -hmm. puttanesca type, you know, anchovy forward. But I really like the flavor of anchovy. So I would say if you're trying to just sort of sneak it past somebody, do it in a tomato sauce. Uh, I would say speaking of tomato sauce, if you're not making your own tomato sauce with just a good can of tomatoes, you're doing something wrong. It's so easy and it makes such a difference. Right. I think there's a distinction between the like long simmered tomato sauce, your like su- Sunday sauce that you leave on the stove for two hours or more, and then like a really quick sort of weeknight tomato sauce, which is sort of my go-to. I am such a huge fan of the latter. Yeah. Yes. So our version, we take a can, a 28 ounce can of whole peeled, preferably San Marzano tomatoes, and they go into a very hot skillet with oil and garlic. Do you crush them in your hand first? Yes. 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 Or- so I like actually, I drain them. I get rid of the liquid and I keep just the tomatoes. And I like the liquid that's inside the tomatoes because mm-hmm. I think it's like a lighter tomato flavor. Although you do have to be careful. There are times where you crush them in your hand and they squirt everywhere. Oh. Every time. Don't yeah. wear Every a white shirt. No, no. and wear an apron. Yeah. It happened to me yesterday. Like in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> right. It knows. Uh, and I crush those and my hands go directly into the skillet and I crank the heat at that point. And so you have, do you have oil and garlic in the pan? Yes. Yeah. And that, which is pretty much the base of every yeah. pasta I ever make and probably most people. Um, and then I use like a wooden spoon. I like the flat bottomed wooden spoon so mm. I can really scrape. And I like move the tomatoes around until they start to break down, which happens pretty quickly over high heat. And so the idea is that you are breaking down the tomatoes and they're like losing their shape um, and they're kind of starting to dissolve into the oil and concentrating. You're really just driving off all the water because tomatoes mm. have a lot of water yeah. and you don't want like a watery tomato sauce. Total cooking time. Probably start to finish 10 minutes yeah. before the pasta goes in. And, and this a little is, salt. And then a little salt. And then you want to add back in the liquid front that you drained off the tomatoes and then and then simmer all of that together. And oh. you can do that while your pasta is cooking. Right. Interesting. And what about sometimes people put a little sugar or something in their tomato sauce to balance the acid? I think if you're cooking it for a long time, maybe, but I see no need. I think tomatoes have like a sort of an, they're acidic, but they also have a natural sweetness and you're concentrating that down. So I don't really see any need it's for a, it. It's a, it's a very common thing. I think you just have to taste your sauce. And if you feel like it's too acid forward, yeah. then yeah. adjust it. Right. But sometimes adding like Mario, I remember seeing, I, th- I don't know, it might've been like one on one of the really old Molto Mario's, but his basic marinara or pomodoro also had a chopped carrot in it. So I feel like, you know, that mm. sort of does the same thing. Yeah, it, that's going to bring some sweetness. If you caramelize an onion, you probably won't need sugar at the end, but I don't know. I don't frown on it like I used to. I mean, there's a famous Marcella Hazan tomato 
Which is, which is like what? It's the an but, onion. The butter tomato sauce? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a that's stick of butter. Delicious. It's so good. Stick of butter, onion cut in half. That was and one of the tomatoes. first tomato sauces I ever made. That is one place where I really do buy into the finish it with a knob of butter. I just love tomato and butter together. Yeah. I think it is delicious. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a lot of butter. It just changes the chemistry of the sauce. Like I said, yeah. I mean, A, I, I love the sauce you just described, Claire. It's 10 minutes. When you taste it, it still tastes of like fresh tomatoes. Yes. There's a freshness to it. There's a lightness to it. Um, it's easy to do, and that whole thing, take the al dente pasta, just add it to that pan of simmering mm-hmm. sauce and toss and toss and toss, finish it with some Parmesan, mm-hmm. and it's it's delicious. Like, yeah. You're yeah. like, wow, why is it so much better than so much of the pasta I get out at, at mediocre restaurants? Right, right, right. And as you said, it has this like wonderful, almost lightness and, and freshness to it. Guys, Very any, satisfying. Any last imparting words of advice? If you're going to eat pasta, you should eat pasta. So again, the four ounce (laughs) serving, it's like, just forget it. Who cares? Go for it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. That was fun. Thanks. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, we're now offering online cooking classes with Sir Latab that feature our recipes. Sign up at bonappetit.com slash cooking classes and learn how to make everything from pork chops to molten chocolate cake. Thanks for listening.